theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. Let's open up our Bibles, if you will, to the book of John chapter 1, verse 43. The book of John chapter 1, verse 43. Praise God. So thankful for what I feel in this place. John 1, 43, from the New King James, it reads, The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Come and see. And I want to preach that thought to you today. Come and see. Invitations come in all sizes and shapes for all kinds of occasions, whether it's a business meeting, a Super Bowl party, if you will, or a World Cup party, a a wedding, and obviously, more commonly, a birthday party. Last week, during our Midweek Bible Connection, the Lord laid on my heart a a message titled, An Invitation to the Rejected, because everybody wants to be invited. No one wants to be excluded. Everyone wants to be invited to the party. And can I tell you, I just want to push pause here for just a moment and simply say, one, I'm not going to say, can I tell you again, or I'm going to make every effort not to. (laughs) That's my like thing, my go-to. But everybody is invited at EC. Everybody is welcome at EC. And I celebrate that. Praise God. You ought to celebrate that. As a matter of fact, if you feel that way, just type in the comments. I give a shout out. Everybody is welcome here. Invitations come in all shapes and sizes and for all kinds of occasions. I'm curious. Uh, You don't have to tell us, but what I want you to think about the most uh, unique or even ridiculous invitation you've ever received. Think about that for a moment. I'm sure you're probably having a few laughs strolling down memory lane or more or less you're like, how in the world could they invite me to something like that? Julie Potter tells a a true story, a story of herself as a matter of fact. Her and her mother were writing uh, wedding invitations and uh, she had invited her mom to come help her with this task and the two of them, they spent two long nights addressing envelopes and adding a handwritten note to each invitation. Please stay for dinner following the ceremony. When she got back home, Julie realized she forgot to invite her mother and father. (laughs) Before putting it in the mail, she personalized it with a note at the bottom saying, please pay for dinner following the ceremony. (laughs) What a fun invitation. Maybe not so fun for the mom and dad, but nonetheless, it's fun. And one that I'm sure they'll never forget. Quite an expensive invitation. Here's an interesting strategy, though. Come and see. 
This is exactly what was extended to Nathaniel, okay? When the Lord found Philip, and I'm thankful he found me, and I know you're thankful he found you, but Philip uh, begins to share this story, and he says, I have found him, Nathaniel. And Nathaniel's like, wait a second, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip's response is, come and see. You understand, like Andrew and Peter, Philip hardly knew the one he now believed to be the Messiah. In fact, the only thing that we know for sure is that uh, Jesus said to him, follow me. And all of a sudden, Philip is preaching and reaching and teaching people in the name of the Lord and helping disciple people and getting people to come follow Jesus Christ. But why? Something occurred. Something occurred between the seeing and the following. Praise God. Nathaniel's first few moments give us a clue as to what happened to Philip and more specifically what happened to Nathaniel himself as to, hey, you know what, what, what's going on here? Because I have the opportunity to come and see there's something that happened. First of all, I just want to say this. Jesus comes to us. Praise God. Do you realize how powerful this simple truth is that God comes to us? See, God reveals himself to us that he chooses to let us know him more is amazing. Praise God. Let's get a few things that I just want to get established right away. I'm not talking about being touched by an angel. I'm not talking about goosebumps and fuzzies and your hair standing up on your arms. I'm not talking about an impression or a sense of his presence. I'm not talking about a feeling or an apprehension. I'm talking about a sudden move of God's spirit, which brings complete and total renovation or transformation. I'm talking about a powerful intervention in the course of a person's life. I'm talking about a revelation of God that crowds out ego, that crowds out our selfish ambitions and our own personalities. It transforms who we are. It transforms the way we think. It transforms what we see. It transforms how we speak. I'm talking about when God comes into our world to radically turn our worlds upside down to radically revolutionize a situation or an outcome. I'm telling you, God comes to us and I'm thankful that he comes to us everywhere in scripture. When you read it, you'll notice he initiates praise God. That is his goodness. That is calling us. God showed up to Moses in a burning bush. Can I tell you, God called Gideon praise God. God came to earth as Jesus Christ. God manifests in the flesh. He came to me and he's coming to you and he's come to you. I want you to know we ought to give God praise that he comes to us. Praise God. I love what it says in the book of Habakkuk chapter three. Listen to this verses three through six. God on his way again, retracing the old salvation route, coming up from the south through Taman, the holy one from Mount Paran. Skies are blazing with his splendor, his praises sounding through the earth. His cloud brought brightness like dawn, exploding, spreading, forked lightning shooting from his hand. What power hidden in that fist? Plague marches before him, pestilence at his heels. He stops. 
He shakes the earth. He looks around. Nations tremble. The age-old mountains fall to pieces. Ancient hills collapse like a spent balloon. I love the way the message puts it because when God shows up, God is on the move. And you need to know God is on the move here in the greater Toronto area. I am declaring by faith and I'm declaring what I believe to be every day I wake up. The call of God has gone out. I'm here to remind everybody that we have a mission and our mission is to help ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. We have a responsibility to go out and compel them to come. Come and see. Come and see what we know. God is on the move in your community. God is on the move in your family. God is on the move with the people you work with. God is on the move. Listen to the earth. The earth is quaking like never before. We just had an earthquake in Mexico, I believe, almost eight points on the Richter scale. Volcanoes are erupting. God is on the move. People are receiving his spirit all over the world. People are being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ all over the world. And those things are happening here right in Mississauga. God is on the move. And can I tell you? Isn't that what happened when the church was born? Suddenly, a sound from heaven came, uh, came and it filled the room where they were sitting, and they were all filled with his spirit. <laughs> Praise God. Again, God came to them. Do you understand uh, uh, an awakening, which is what I believe we're on the precipice of seeing? Praise God. An awakening comes suddenly. It's not a slow dawning. It's not a gentle sunrise that you can take a photo of or maybe a, uh, a video of or a time lapse of. No, 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 no. It's, it's not a gradual awareness. It's a whew, all of a sudden, suddenly God shows up. That's what happened in the book of Acts. You know what? And when a suddenly move of God takes place, people are amazed. They marveled, the Bible says in the book of Acts. They were amazed and marveled. And they said, what does this mean? I'll tell you exactly what it means because people are going to be asking those questions. I feel a prophetic utterance in my mouth as God is using me to deliver this word to you today. I want you to know that a move of God is coming suddenly to the greater Toronto area. It will shake everything that can be shaken. And people will look and say, what does this mean? I'm going to tell you, suddenly doubt will disappear. Suddenly problems will be overwhelmed. Suddenly struggles are won. Temptations are conquered and habits are broken. Why? Because when God visits, there is not only a sense of our problems being solved, but there is a fresh awareness of the beauty of his presence. Praise God. Come on, do you feel his presence right where you are? If so, lift your hands and just begin to worship him. I'm telling you, that fresh presence, that fresh sense of understanding that he's with you and he's for you. Praise God. I'm prophesying to you right now. That awakening is going to happen in your house. Just begin to worship him where your children will receive his spirit, where your spouses will receive his spirit, where people will come back home. It's going to happen right in your house. Praise God. Praise God. I feel a little heat on that. I want you to be encouraged. The awakening is coming. Come on and open up your mouth and give God praise because your loved ones will come and see. You're, those that are away from God will come and see. Praise God. Nathaniel is interesting because Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said, 
Behold, look, listen, I, I, look at this, John 1, 47. It says, Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How? How do you, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, praise God, see the call has gone out. Before Philip called you, you were under the fig tree. I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. <laughs> Jesus has a way of disarming so many. He, I wish I could tell you how he disarmed me. Praise God. <laughs> Nathaniel was really humoring Philip <laughs> and probably to a degree his own curiosity, but he was clearly skeptical about Jesus and obviously overtly prejudiced when he just simply said, well, is there even anything good that can come out of Nazareth. The town of Nazareth was very small and considered by its neighbors to be uneducated, unreformed, and certainly unrefined. So in Nathaniel's mind, anyone born and raised there couldn't possibly be the Messiah that they had been waiting for. And so he was quick to say, you know what? Uh, nothing good can come out of Nazareth. But here's what I want you to understand. This is what made Jesus's first words to Nathanael so remarkably gracious and interesting. Instead, he says, uh, instead of behold, an Israelite whom there is bigotry and zero tact, <laughs> Jesus called him honest and took Nathanael off guard. He was indeed a person who spoke his mind, obviously, and Nathaniel was proud of it. We know he doesn't mince words. He was practical and learned and dealt in the brass tacks of things. But how did the Christ, the anointed one, know that? Because Jesus had been watching, praise God, and not just while he sat under that tree. See, this is how he really begins to get Nathaniel when these whereabouts, okay, along with the values that made him tick, he understood where he was and he understood how Nathaniel was wired. And can I tell you how he was wired in that sense? Those are those unredeemed values, if you will. Those were evidence that fact that Jesus knew that he knew that Jesus was the Messiah. It's what set him apart. And so Philip's come and see strategy proved effective because Jesus did the convincing. Woo, I feel a little heat on that. I need you to understand. All you have to do is invite. All you have to do is say, come and see and let him do the convincing. <laughs> Does that make sense? This, this, this latter part of John chapter one and John chapter two going in has so inspired me this week because Jesus does the convincing. Look at verse 50 of chapter one, because I said to you, I saw you under a fig tree. You believe you will see greater things than these. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Praise God. Now, when I tell you this declaration by Nathaniel is massive because he is about to see Jesus Christ do some miraculous things right around the corner. 
I want you to know that this call has gone out and that when you tell people, come and see, I have found the one who can take away our sin. I have found the one who is greater than COVID-19. I have found the one who can give you peace in your marriage. I have found the one who will take away your sleepless nights. I have found the one when you tell people that and they experience him, he'll do the convincing. Let me show you what I mean. John chapter two, they're invited to a wedding. And man, you have to understand, being invited to a wedding is a really big deal, okay? Especially in Jesus's day. Let me explain this to you. Let me, let me read verses six through 11 of John chapter two. Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests are well drunk, have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. This is the beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. You see, there was a bona fide crisis underway. Back in Jesus's day, wine was a staple and most meals are a must at any respectable celebration. But at this wedding, the wine had run out. Now this is humiliation on unprecedented levels for this family, okay? I want you to understand, in particular for the groom's family who was hosting the party, Jesus' uh, mother, Mary, took it upon herself to find Jesus and bring him up to speed, saying, hey, look, they have no wine, Jesus. Those were her words in verse three, but her sense of urgency was clear. Help, 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 we need help. Whew. No one in attendance except, except his mother had reason to believe that Jesus could provide. From all material signs, he was just as poor as anybody else. If you look at him on the outside, he perhaps could be mistaken as anybody else. Up until that moment, suddenly things were about to change. Woo. Come and see. If you just look at Jesus just a little while longer, praise God, you'll know he's not like anybody else. You'll know he's the creator of the universe. You'll begin to marvel at his might. You'll begin to be in awe of his power. You'll begin to give him praise for his splendor. You'll begin to rejoice for his redemption, which draweth nigh. Praise God. So at a moment, at a moment, there was very little that set him apart, at least to the naked or casual eye. But his mother knew something different. Jesus tells uh, these folks that are at these attendees of the party, if you will, or the workers at the party. He instructed the servants, go to fill these giant jars. And what a confusing but intriguing directive. <laughs> the servants did as they were told, which included taking a glass of water to their superior. The master of the feast, who apparently knew nothing of what was happening, he did not know they had run out of wine, okay? And then at some point, between the drawing and the giving, the water turned into wine. Whew, not just any wine. 
but some amazing wine, the quality of which brought honor to the host, since the common practice was to serve the cheap stuff as soon as the guests were too drunk to notice. The party and reputation of his friends were saved. But of all the miracles Jesus could have performed first, he chose a wedding and wine of only a few witnesses. Why? Because he is God with us. That's what we need to understand. The setting of his first miracle, the need in front of Jesus was potential embarrassment. And his obedience to his mom were consistent with everything else in his life. Yes, his birth might have been ordinary. Jesus was born in a stable, raised by simple people, and worked as a carpenter like his dad, his stepfather, I should say. He attended school and synagogue, and now this party. But can I tell you, here's what we need to understand. Why a party? Because God's method of rescuing the world is to enter into it. God's method of rescuing the world is to enter into it. He comes to those who are prepared for him. Praise God. I'm telling you right now, this is what we're fixing to do. We're fixing to enter in to the world of others and help reach them. We need to make room for him so that we can receive him. He comes to those who are seeking his face. He comes to those who are waiting on him. He comes to those who are looking for his coming. He comes to those who have set their face on him. He comes to those who have made room. He's come to those who who is spending time with him is more important than going to the gym. It's more important than going on your daily walk. It's more important. Can I tell you, he's coming for us. And so for the next three years, the disciples see Jesus do extraordinary things in ordinary everyday circumstances. They watched him be hungry. They watched him happy. They watched him tired. They watched him frustrated. They watched him angry. And they saw him broken in the Garden of Gethsemane. They saw him love on the poor and the rich alike, often using the common to display his heavenly glory. Praise God. Like with loaves and fishes, waves, mud, trees, and tombs. They learned to minister to real people and real problems, to love without prejudice, to preach the gospel no matter what the conditions, to perform miracles, and to obey even unto their death. And through it all, the disciples followed in his steps because of their faith in the one who was with them, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. And so, you know what? The invitation has gone out. The call has gone out. We have to go out and help people understand the call. As we endeavor to do all sorts of things to reach people, to help ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ, trust me, we'll do everything we can digitally. We'll do everything we can in print. We'll come up with all types of gimmicks. That's great, but we need to understand our mission is this, come and see. Come and see the one who can change your life. Come and see the one who can turn your world upside down. We exist to help ordinary people experience extraordinary life in him. And the only way that will happen is when we begin to do life authentically with people. When we engage, we love, and we serve others. We all know it's a privilege to serve the gospel of Jesus Christ. But if we're not careful, we can fall into a dormant state and become so busy and so preoccupied with our immediate surroundings that we neglect the come and see. Can I tell you, evangelism, outreach, community impact, 
those should never be foreign words to the church. Outreach and community impact must never be an inconvenience. He saved us not to be keepers of the aquarium, but to be fishers of men. I want to say that again. He saved us not to be keepers of the aquarium, but to be fishers of men. If we are not in the come and see, then we are in the sit and relax position. I've come today by the grace of God to try to stir you, to let you know that we need to work while it is yet day. We need to be out doing whatever we can, teaching Bible studies digitally, having people over our homes, if you're comfortable with that, sharing the gospel, going out and serving others, doing life with people, doing life with people that are broken, doing life with people who've been ostracized, doing life with people who don't have it all together. God, give us a burden. May there be a burden upon us, upon our community, because the time for unprecedented revival is here, right here, and right now. As we're preparing to begin compelling others to come to our in-person or our online worship experiences, it's critically important for us to realize that as followers of Jesus Christ, come and see is not optional. In other words, evangelizing and soul winning is not optional. Christianity is not a spectator sport. We have to invite others. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.